Greetings. I'm taking a brief break from the hashtag call response project series to share some conversations from Standing Rock. As you may or may not know, people from across all nations of Turtle Island and the globe have joined Standing Rock Sioux Tribes movement against the $3.8 billion four-state oil pipeline that, if implemented, will disturb sacred sites and impact drinking water of over 8,000 tribal members, not to mention the millions of people further downstream and which would pass through Iowa, Illinois, North Dakota, and South Dakota. For several months, thousands of people have been taking part in peaceful resistance at the Camp of the Sacred Stones and the Red Warrior Camp in North Dakota. About 30 people have been arrested in recent weeks, and direct action and nonviolent resistance have successfully halted construction to this point. A federal judge will rule by September 9, 2016, on whether construction will be permanently halted on the Dakota Access Pipeline. What is happening right now at Standing Rock is a crucial historical moment regarding frontline resistance by Aboriginal peoples and their allies against extractive industry. These are people who have come to protect the water and environment on behalf of the planet and all human beings. I had the opportunity to travel to Standing Rock, North Dakota last week to deliver supplies from New Mexico to the water protectors currently on the front lines. Although my stay was very short with a specific trajectory of supply delivery, I took an afternoon to walk around Camp of the Sacred Stones and listen to story from folks who have joined in solidarity and support of this movement. I simply started walking through the camp with no real proposed outcome not looking for anyone in particular to speak with, but wanting simply to engage with the human beings who had come, had made the journey to be here, and listen to why. I found myself engaged in conversation with many brilliant and activated protectors of water, Lakota people with ties to the very land that Dakota Access Pipeline is trying to penetrate and disrupt. A first-hand account of the initial arrests that had recently occurred and which halted the construction was also shared with me. I spoke with a Maori water protector and I found myself engaged in deep conversation with a group of activated protectors from Hawaii who had come to stand strong with the movement in recognition of what the importance of water, or vi, holds for all human beings. The conversations you will hear in this podcast episode are of a moment in time, an afternoon of story and reflection, and I hope they may give us a reminder of the power of collective consciousness. These conversations took place during the simple and powerful act of being present and speak to what is at the core of this fight, that water is life.
name's Derek, kills the enemy. I, um, I'm Oglala, Shichangu, Kiani, and Tochitni. And um, I'm here to uh, stand, f uh, represent my parents here in, uh, um, yeah, we've been here for nine days and it's been actually really, really great. <laughs> Met some new people and it's, it's been uh, an eye opener and a life changer for me. Is there a specific experience that you can think of from your time being here that has really shifted you or changed you or you feel like made it has made a big impact on this movement? Meeting the Hawaiians, they they taught me a lot about their culture and uh, I love it because it's, it's very similar to ours and uh, I love how they they uh, see water as sacred and that's kind of same with our our way. Um, there's a little differences, but it's it's pretty much the same uh, spiritual um, height. Um, yes, yeah, uh, seeing all the people—that's that's the eye changer. Um, when we were walking to the front lines, and we turned around, and there was a long line of people, and the crows. When the crows came, that was very. That was awesome because awesome they apologized for all the for us being enemies and now we're friends and this is actually yeah this whole place uh, the 400 year old fire um, everything the the shells the like every every tribe that came in had something to uh, to attribute to the the cause and it's very uh, eye-opening to see that the similarities between everybody and the language similarities and the belief systems and yeah and everyone's just here to ha to be not good to each other you know so that's 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 another eye opener too is we're all we're all here for one one end and that's to stop this pipeline and uh what's up bro and to unite good, good. unite the tribes and to help help uh branch out the people and to uh, to the rest of the world, so oh, and fulfilling Crazy Horse's prophecy, yeah, about uniting the the nation. So that's the eye opener right there too. Is can you break down that prophecy for people who might live like in Aotearoa or somewhere who don't know what the prophecy is? Okay, so uh, Crazy Horse said um, one day the kids are gonna unite the the nations of the earth under the sacred tree of life and uh, bring beauty to the world and um, that's our generation that seventh. he was talking about. Yeah, the seventh, and that's our generation, and it's happening right now. And that's the uh, the beauty of it, because it's it's unfolding before our eyes, and everything's been uh, fun and positive, and um, yeah, it's been amazing. just shared with you. I was born Charles Brendan Smith. Uh, in December I legally changed my name in Cheyenne River Sioux Tribal Court to Umpa Numpa. Uh, I live in Swiftbird on the Cheyenne River Reservation. Uh, we were following the protests up here at Sacred Stone closely, my family and I and friends, and we saw that a call was put out for warriors uh, 
and they were needed up here. The people were getting arrested and we saw the pictures and we saw the news stories. So uh, a couple of relatives and I decided to travel up here and make camp. And, and so we got to Sacred Stone and it was really crowded then. You know, and, and this was, oh, I can't remember the exact date anymore, but it was the Friday before the big Monday. And uh, so we, we just hung out, camped out. And we, over the weekend they had resistance training, nonviolent resistance training at the, what came to be known as the barricades or the protest site. And uh, so we watched all that and more people were coming. We were grateful to see that. So Monday morning came when, when they had, the reason why they issued the call for warriors, because on Monday morning the workers were supposed to begin constructing the access road down to the drill site along the river. And we started early in the morning and the leadership plan was that every hour we would sing songs, sacred songs, and pray together, raise fists, and protest that way. There was a couple of minor shows of protest before then, they were staged and a, a, a couple of staged arrests. And so the day wore on and it was very hot. And they had us all down in that ditch below the gate for the road. And the machinery started in almost right away. And by about 11 o'clock, the machinery was so loud that when it was time for the drum music and prayers, and you couldn't hear it. And we were sitting close where we were sitting, me and my circle. We were right next to a water station. So people were coming in and out all day and you could see in the faces of the people, it wasn't a good feeling. And we were strong though. I mean, we were spiritually strong, obviously. But many were getting angry. And then that road was tearing into the earth the whole time. Eventually a few of our women started crying along the fence line watching the machinery. And that's all they did. They just stood there weeping and it got to be too much. So a plan was quickly formulated, a direct action plan. And it was decided that we would get six of our young women, dress them traditional, or make sure they had skirts on, faces painted. And there was a point above the ditch that was the highest point around along the fence line for that work site. And we wanted to put them over there so that everybody could see them going over the fence and that they were to run as fast as they could after that. So I went and gathered my daughter and uh, she was on the arrestables list. I was on the arrestables list. We, we came here to get arrested. And uh, we only had five girls. We were waiting for the six, but we couldn't wait anymore. Uh, the heat, <laughs> the people, the machinery. And uh, so it was decided that uh, we go with five. And at the last moment, somebody said, put sage in their hands. And it brilliant, <laughs> you know, just what a stroke, you know. And especially because we just went through and with Denver, uh, Josie Valdez Frères and, and her, her court appearance for smudging in the streets of Denver during a Donald Trump protest in July. So we, we put that sage in the girl's hand and lifted that first girl over the fence and just said, run. She began running, and then the others went over, the five of them, all running, and lift your sage up. So the women started ululating, lee, 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 and the men were war whooping. So we were yelling down to the protesters, look, look, run, run. And here a bunch of them, especially the young ones, seventh generation, they rushed the fence line and shouting encouragement. And 
it was really cool. So I ran down to the ran down to the uh, water station and and uh, told my people exactly what had just occurred and that we needed to get up there. And uh, so they did. And by the time I got back to the top, uh, one small panel of the fence line had been cut open to make it easier for people to go in, so they wouldn't have to be climbing over. Because there were even like our a couple of elders were <laughs> trying to get up there. A bunch of you know children were trying to get up there and. And so when I got back up to the top of the hill, we were saying, we need more, we need more. So we started shouting down, you know, of, uh, uh, warriors, Yopo, Yopo, hurry up, hurry up. You know, and come on, come here. And they came. And at least 50, 60 of them came just running up the hill. And as soon as I got there, I saw the gate, they just poured through. And, and about 30 of them ultimately made it out by the machines. And, and the first ones who made it to the machines, the workers didn't know what to do. And they... One of the bravest things I ever saw was one of our women standing in front of a moving bulldozer wearing a pink shawl. <laughs> and uh, I always remember that. And uh, so they stopped. And here the preservation officer for the tribe, the man with, with uh, total authority on behalf of the tribes, he went inside to the work site and then he was followed by the Moody County Sheriff. And they were meeting and talking. And meanwhile, our people were streaming in. and. We were losing sight of them. We couldn't see them anymore. We didn't know where they were going. <laughs> a bunch of them were by the, by the work machinery, and the workers stopped, and they got out, and they ran for their pickups where they had their private security guards. And, and here John John Eagle came out, preservation officer, sheriff, condemned us, what we had just done, said he got accosted by a young man, accused him of working with the man, collaborating with the man. He was really upset, but he didn't know what happened. So the sheriff orders were closed at that moment. And when that word spread, it was just such joy, such happiness. And then we were being condemned. You know, they got up there and said, that wasn't Lakota what you did. Wrong. There was nothing more Lakota than what we did. You know, we came here to stop a pipeline. And it wasn't being stopped. And the earth was being torn apart. Our women were weeping. And it all ended. And they haven't done a lick of work since except to move that machinery and park it. And that's the truth. And that's all I have to say. Aloha, Sam Kiliho Malu from the Big Island of Hawaii, um, from the Puna District. Um, where the lava flows into the ocean. Um, I first took notice of this whole happenings over here in Standing Rock. Um, I was checking out my Facebook one day and of course Mikey over there was checking out the Facebook. We same with Dina. Dina is over there in a camp someplace. But anyhow we seen it on the Facebook and um, uh, it moved us. You know it moved us to um, to get off our asses and you know get up here and stand with our brothers and sisters um, up here in Standing Rock. Um, water, water is um, an important thing in our lives. You know, it's for all human beings. It's not just for the native people. It's for the people of the world. And you know, like these oil lines, what's happening around the world? You know, it's just ruining. Ruin, ruining our earth, you know, our mother earth, you know, and it's so heavy. Heavy is so, heavy is a heavy word for us Hawaiians to 
use, you know, and and heva is just just not 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 good for the earth and for our people of the world, especially you know where it's happening. It's happening with all our Aboriginals, our indigenous um, natives around the world. You know, you don't see it. I mean, now you see it happening in Canada. You know, the oil the yeah. oil breaks breaking all over you know it's 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 happening all over the breaking the break of the pipelines and stuff and it's not you know it's not helping the world to move ahead it's making the world go backwards so people the people of the world need to really look at this because it's not just for the natives it's for the entire world to see and to stand up for water if not, these big cooperations in the world is just gonna be freaking, that's how they're gonna be, you know, um, they're gonna be, you're gonna have to buy the water, you know, wherever you go, you're gonna have to buy the water. You can't go to a water fountain and just drink the water out of the water fountain because the water is out of the water fountain is gonna be oil. So, um, and that's why I'm up here. We go through the same struggle as we go through the same struggle in Hawaii as all our rest of our native people. You know, we've, you know, there's treaties being going on with, with our native Hawaiians, treaties going on with our brothers and sisters up here, Native Americans, and the United States just, just don't keep their treaties right, you know, and that's so not pono, you know, and, um, and that's why I'm up here way out of my element fighting for the right thing to do for all of us in the world so i hope the world stands up and see what's really going on and um really do something about this you know i mean just stop all the oil wells not already mm. enough they've been they've been they've been they've been ruining our worlds for a long time for years now you know thousands of years you know enough it's enough already it's we don't need oil you know there's other alternatives to to you know to oil you know for our cars you know so um i like to mahalo all my um indians indian nations up here for having us up here um, um supporting it and standing in solidarity with all our native brothers and sisters mahalo mm. is there i want to ask you one I'm question sure. if there was one thing you could say to the world and this was your platform to reach thousands of people all over the world. What would you say? A quote, a rant, an action, anything? Yeah. I, you know, it's simple. It's a simple thing. Wake up. Wake up, world. Wake up. Be conscious of what's happening with your water. Water is the essence of life. So we need to wake up because if not, we're going to lose it forever and the generations to come ain't gonna have water so all you people out there who's thinking of having keikis kamali'is kids in the future you guys better wake up and see what's going on because by the time your kids come into this world we might never have water for them they might be drinking oil mahalo
My name is uh, Clifton Thomas Forth. Everybody calls me Thomas Forth because uh, my dad's name is Clifton. But uh, I got my mom's last name. Um, my grandparents are Thelma Shellcheck and um, George Forth. My mom is, you know, Adela Forth and Clifton Conica. What do you feel like the impact being from this land, like actually, like, you know, all these people coming from all over the world to be here and stand with you all, what do you feel like that impact is? Oh, it's, uh, it has a great impact, it has like a really big impact. It's not only affecting um, just here, but it's also affecting other indigenous tribes that are having problems because, you know, like uh, all the tribes are coming in telling us their problems and you know, hopefully we can go over there and help them. With, you know, I mean, like with the Navajo, what happened to them and their water. Um, it's getting everybody's voices out there, and it's breaking media. And um, it's basically telling, you know, I mean, letting everybody know that everybody has problems, that we should all help each other. You know, fix those problems as best as we can. Um, this unity is is great. It's something. You know, I mean, it's something to sit back and watch. Um, if you're not up there, you know, participating in it, and if you're sitting back and watching, you can take notes and see what's going on around you. And it's really great to see, you know, I mean, like the crows came down and helped us yesterday. Um, really, a lot of different tribes clicking and connecting, and this is uh, this is some pretty good work we're all doing here. Um, the impact it has on this reservation, I hope, would be to shut off this pipeline, but. Um, this, it's a lot of money into this pipeline. I'm pretty sure they're gonna find another way around it somehow, some way. But um, as long as it doesn't go through our through our water, I think that'd be great. Like they could, you know, I mean, they can make other arrangements, you know, to go around the water or something. But in all, definitely, that's what we're here for is to save the water because this is the, you know, I mean, this is the mainstream through North America, and um, one of the last one of the last rivers that aren't polluted or don't, you know, don't have anything bad going on with it right now. Um, this is for this reservation. Um, this is the main you know, main water source we get it from. Um, if anything does happen, my town would be the first one to get hit. And um, I have children, you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want them growing up on my reservation, you know, uh, worrying about water whenever you know our ancestors fought for that right to have our water, you know, to get free food, to you know have free health care. Um, yeah, it has a big impact, and it also opens a lot of people's eyes on the treaties. A lot of people didn't know a lot of things about the treaties before this, and um, Fort Laramie Treaty, anything like that, it needs to be, you know, I mean, looked at, revised, and, um, but this will help it a lot, and this will help our tribe a lot, hopefully. Aloha, my name is Michael Wayne Kaiser Jr. Uh, I got no Hawaiian name. Uh, name, af name after my father, uh, German Hawaiian, half German, half Hawaiian, and my mom's a pure blood Hawaiian. Uh, born in, born on the island of Mokuokeawe um, in the district of Puna. And uh, I was raised the old ways, you know, to gather from the land, the ocean, you know, to sustain yourself. And, um, we had a similar movement last year on our mountain, uh, Mauna Awakea, and I spent six months up there for that movement, sleeping in my truck. But 
with this movement here, it's kind of mirroring uh, what we did last year. And it's, 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 I'm going through the same uh, feelings, you know. Um, and I'm just honored to be here, uh, to stand with our fellow brothers and sisters here. We're all one. We all bleed the same, we all be the same, we all drink the same waters. So, in our, in our fight back on Mauna Wakea last year, we are protecting the same, you know, waters. Water is life, you know, by Ola, living waters. And what they were doing up there, you know, similar, same thing over here is wrong, you know. Killing the water, you're killing, it, killing the planet, so. Yeah, just, uh, I was kind of following it, just a little bit um, on Facebook. I'm not really, don't want to really be connected too much to the, to, um, to society too much, yeah. I'm a country boy, so I love staying in the, in the back. I don't like big crowds, you know, so that's why we're on this side of the river. It's in kind the of, shade. In the shade, <laughs> the less people around here, you know. Um, yeah, so we, uh, there was a meteor shower that was happening back home, uh, the 15th of, um, what was it, August? August 15th? Yeah, August 15th. And then, uh, <clears throat> so we were staying up just to, just to watch the meteor shower. And actually Sam, actually the one was on Facebook and I heard the videos. I mean, the, the sound from his video, he's watching like, what is that? Tag me in that thing, I'm gonna share it, you know. And I was watching the video and I started crying. I know that you guys being here is so important, like on a level of. You know, we see on a spiritual level, you know, on, on the Kapualoha level, you know, you know, we just here supporting, you know, and standing, you know, mm -hmm. and just being here. Just to be here, it's an honor to stand with all these native Indians. I don't want to say Native Americans because you know what? Freak that, you know, they're not Native Americans, they're natives, Indians, mm. you know, from this land. You know, there was there was the original people from this land, you know, and they've been going through five hundred years of, you know, oppression from the United States, you know. Longer than us, you know. And and they're still going through the same shit to today, you know, it's just like it's really, really not porno what the United States keep on doing, you know, keep on doing to the native people actually, you know. Mm. They only pick on the native people, you know, you know, when the native people start standing up and doing their thing, you know, it's like first thing, you know, they shut everything down, you know, they like to shut everything down on on the native people, you know, and that's just not right. I just just have a ever doings you know and they have to freaking stop this shit you know because now you know i telling you i just have the the 
unreal feeling that the world is watching in now, you know, and and people gonna be start start to standing stand up to the United States and tell them they can't do this shit anymore, you know, shut them down. You know, and people gonna people gonna stand up, you know, people gonna stand up, and they gonna you know if if the United States put pressure, you know, people gonna even more pressure, you know. Mm. They gonna put the pressure right back. And the fact that we can connect through social media, we're like, yes. we're that, using that. was a big help last year for us. Yeah. Huge social stuff. media. Social media. Facebook, Facebook is a lot. huge. Spread the word. It's you know, the, just, 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 you know. And the media wasn't putting out the right press, right? The only one with the public. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so. And now it's like, it, it feels like to me it's become an indigenous issue where um, i gotta stop you on that word right there okay because indigenous is actually a terminology that it came up with um for classifying plants and animals uh, aboriginal. Mm. we're aboriginal we're originally from this land this aina so what would the you first people. suggest um could be a term to share to the people listening that's an alternative way to say all, all of the people who originated from... We're children of this planet, this earth, yeah. you know? We come from the dirt, the rocks, the plants, the trees. Language is so important for us to reclaim, and yeah. I really, really appreciate you saying that. It's Aboriginal, it's indigenous. Oh, yeah, Aboriginal is another terminology, but it's 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 another scientific terminology, yeah? So. But yeah. that's the true. And as we're, as we're connecting more and getting together and we're all learning together what is the right way to be and to speak and to be with each other and stand you know, with each other. We're all children of this planet, you know. We all come from the same, the same rock, same dirt, same, same trees, hmm. wind, sky, you know. So, it hits me right in the heart every time hmm. when I see this kind of stuff happening. Because, you know, we all suffered. I mean, generations before us suffered so to get us to this point. They sacrificed a lot. Yeah, especially, you know, our Indian brothers and sisters in 500 years, you know, of oppression, you know, that's, oh, that's too much already. You know, enough is enough, you know, they gotta stop. That's it. Yeah. So we come with our, you know, we come in, me, Mikey, and Dina, we come in with the ancestors, we come in with our kupunas, you know. Not just that, everybody. Everybody. Not just at home, everybody. Yeah. The world. Around the world. Do you feel like maybe to like change, change to talk about something a little bit more um, pulled back is like, offering any any advice of ways that people who have gotten disconnected from the land who don't know how to appreciate anymore like any advice or ways that people can connect back in to their space as human beings well, a lot of people are blinded nowadays by money you know money is a big problem you know you can't eat money you can't you can't eat money you can't take it when you go, you know, when you pass. You know, so you gotta do what <clears throat> here now when you're here on this planet now. It's our obligation to to prepare it and, and 
for the next generations. Yeah, for the next generations. That's our duty here. Just to make sure the next generations has clean water, you know, food, clean air to breathe. And the native people is the ones, is the ones always the ones to stand up, you know. And, uh, and and <coughs> every, everything pretty much that that's to do with the most important things in the world is always the native people is standing up you know what I see what I take notice of anyhow but there's a change coming and it's happening right now it's the seventh generation right and it's 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 our obligation to make the world see that what everybody's doing you know is, is wrong not everything is wrong but you know the oil thing you know the cutting of the trees in you know, order the endangered forests is um, just just all the wrong wrongdoings you know the United States taking over other countries you know for what they don't need to be there take care of your own country you know your own country have the, have the biggest problems in the world but no, they go outside and they go fool around with the, all the other countries, you know, go kill off the other countries. What the hell are they doing? Well, their own people is dying here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their own people dying. Mm. And they're not And they're overseas. It, you know? It's all because of money and greed yeah. and corruption. And what's happening here and all over the world is, you know, it's like a slow genocide for us. Slowly, they, they bring alcohol, they bring drugs, you know. Alcohol is a big problem, yeah. not just here, back at home. It's yeah. <clears throat> a lot of alcoholics back at home. And, you know, in my own family. Mm -hmm. um, so. um, to say, well, how people can change or start to change. It's very difficult for other, some people because some people live in the city, mm -hmm. you know. And they depend so, on stores, you know. So it's up to them in the cities to find community uh, open spaces there and start like community gardens and stuff to feed the, feed the people around in their own community. You got to take care of your community first, you know. Take care of yourself and your community and you can, you can spread out from there. But you got to start at home first. Uh, education. You know what's the best thing nowadays? We have Google. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube, a lot of stuff on Google. You can research it all. There's a gentleman in Korea. His name is Dr. Cho. And he's a natural farmer. So he makes all his own natural inputs from plants around here. You know, whatever is growing from your local area, you can you can take that and make a, what do you say, like fertilizers. What we call it inputs is, you know, for the plant, for growing the plants and yeah, IMOs, IMOs, indigenous microorganisms. That's the, the building blocks of our planet. They break down soil, rocks, rocks. They help the plants to grow. They bring in sustenance for the plants. And they also, there's another thing that they do is, which is pretty freaking spectacular, is they eat oil. They can eat. They, they're they're natural. Organism that, that you find here all over on this planet, mm. oh. and if you take it, um, well, I've heard that one spill I think in the Gulf of Mexico, they did use an application like that to eat it up, and it works. 
So is it like a fungus or it's it's like a fungus. Like so that. if you so notice, if you go under uh, trees and you lift up the leaves, that white. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. white that um, moss looking or the, the leaves mold looking the thing, leaves, the white. That's mold, that's yeah. IMOs. That's IMOs. That's the building blocks of our planet. So there's other that. ways. There's other ways that we can live and sustain ourselves. You know, without all this. Um, oil or even these fertilizers that they come up with it even poison it out fertilizers you know like kind gmo you know with like monsanto it's another thing with gmo this imo thing it'll it'll help so so do you feel like educating people about this type of resource is a very it's a very powerful way to to get the message across and have everybody more um, what people need to get involved sustaining with. themselves with their local fauna here around their own local area you know you don't have to go up to a fertilizer store or get fertilizer get triple 16 and all this stuff to make your plants grow you can make this stuff from your own right in your backyard you know so there's there's better ways and this guy he's a genius man um, he actually started off making you know how overpopulated Korea um, South Korea is so it's a lot of buildings and they also do a lot of piggeries it's a they're heavily uh, they eat a lot of pork over there so they're piggeries you know you know how pig pens they, they yeah. smell they got the smell so IMOs it's another one in there you keep it a, he makes it a dry litter so he covers the pens and keeps it dry and what happens is the IMOs break down all the all the stuff that they you know poop out their their piss and stuff. It breaks it down. Um, and then there's another uh, thing that he makes. It's called uh, lactic acid bacteria. It's made with rice water and organic milk. And the byproduct is um, um, I forget what it's called. Mozzarella cheese, I think. Some similar to mozzarella cheese. But um, the liquid from that when the when it's curdling up. That liquid, it's a, uh, it kills the smell, <coughs> so it takes away the smell. So that's what he uses in the pig pens, you know, IMO, and and lactic acid bacteria. No flies. Dang. So imagine going to Korea, seeing pig pens, but you don't even smell it. No flies around. So we had a we had a couple of our um, relatives that took the class from this guy, and then they came into the communities and showed us how to how to make all this stuff. Um, me, fortunately, I don't have the aina or the land, you know, to do, to do the kind of operations. Uh, just a small parcel, little garden, that's it. But um, some of the families down there kind of took it and ran, ran with yeah. it, and it's so awesome because you know it's it's working. You see it working, mm-hmm. you know, firsthand, not just from a, some guy telling you in a class. Mm-hmm. But you see it working. So it's a it's a it's an alternative way and it's a right way um, because um, you know as 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 natives of, of originals you know aboriginals of the Aina from no matter where you're from we were uh, the best not the best as you said we knew how to um, gather and use those, those those certain plants you know medicines or even even fertilizers and stuff like that. Uh, we're deeply connected to the land. You know, back in the past, you know, we lost we lost a lot of that connection, right? You know, with the 
video games. Nowadays, video games is the worst thing, man. How do you get? How do you get people's heads out of video games, out of media? How do you get um, our our children, our gener our children's generation to? That's a good question. <laughs> What's your advice on that? Well, actually, actually, it's up. You know, sad to say, but it's the parents' fault. You know, yeah. the parents' fault. They're they're trying to find a way to. A, a way to oh yeah. It's a it's a babysitter, so they don't have to deal with the with the kids crying, with the you know kids always in their face, you know. It's like, go play your game. Go sit in your room and play your game. Yeah, so it's 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 the parents. Mom, mom cooking now, getting the. Yes, yeah, the parents. It's up to the parents to to do it to to teach the young. It's gonna take some time. Yes. To oh, of course, of course, like anything, you know. We've been stuck in this cycle for so long, so it's. Everybody's stuck in that cycle, so it's hard to break away from that, you know. Was there a moment in your life that switched you back on? I was always on, you know, from, from growing up in, in the country, so. I had very good parents, I was lucky, you know. Not everybody is fortunate to have good parents, you know, and loving parents, you know. And they always support you and everything, so. I was very lucky growing up, me and my two sisters. And, you know, as Hawaiians, and I'm sure it's it's the case with everybody, family, Ohana, family is very, very, very strong in our culture. So you don't even have to be blood related. Mm -hmm. We still call you family, you know. So it's, it's um, that's the thing we lost nowadays is that connection with, with the families. Ohana. Hmm. You know, especially in this Western thinking, this Western society, it's all about me. You know, I, me, and my. That that has to stop, you know, because it's not like that, it? you're not gonna, um, you're not gonna prosper. Thank you. You're not gonna prosper like that. You know? Do you see these movements as kind of creating, um, like Awareness. a larger ring of Ohana? Yes, of course. This is all my family here. Yeah, we're all family. You know? We all come from the same Honua, uh, this Mother Earth over here. You know? So we, it's our 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 duty. As as awaken awaken people like I could I would say um, to show the world or show these these people that is blind um, to teach them you know and I always tell people um, I'm usually when I'm talking to a big group or something that I'm not trying to sway the whole group I'm just trying to catch that one person in there because mm. that one person is gonna catch another person in that one other group they talk to. And it's a domino effect, you know. So just gotta keep that education going. Um, and uh, the parents, yeah, it's back to the parents. It's the parents' duties, you know, to to, to make the youth understand that um, we need to help out each other, stand with each other, no matter what color of your skin, no matter what religion. You gotta, you gotta help one another, you know? That's, that's the Pono thing for you. Lemi ya chokata upi we machapi, matkhulu zaha, uyanke matahan, tsunchangu makhoche 
My name is They Brought Her in the Center Woman. I'm from Swift Bear Community on Sichungu lands in Rosebud, South Dakota. Uh, my English name is Dara Ayat. And what brought you here to Standing Rock? Chimala uh, Kota. I'm a Malakota. That's mm. why I'm here. Mm. I drink water. I love it. I was raised in it. Um, I'm here because these are my relatives. I used to live on this reservation before and I'm here because I educated myself in cultural resource management and I did very well. Um, I went off and I worked for government agencies to learn their game to bring it home to help my people. So uh, <clears throat> I came up here to offer my brains to the chairman and to this land. So mm. that's why I'm here. Is there something that you can um, think of an experience or a moment that happened during your time up here that you'd like to share with the greater world? Um, there's one thing that I want to share. Um, I was talking earlier and um, I've done numerous water quality studies on not only my reservation but the Oglala Aquifer which is very important. It's the largest water source, underground water source in the United States. It starts on my homelands and it goes all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I have talked to some other people and I was throwing an idea that uh, there's <clears throat> our water is really sacred and we have protectors of our springs and they're called Wiwila. That's how you say spring, Wiwila. So there's um, the Wiwilas, they protect our water at a large scale, you know, they're, they're the they're powerful. They're little men, and um, there's certain there's certain little things called maniwatu, and they're they're like organisms are like um, little things in the water that can can get you sick, you know. And um, the only entity on our lands that can shut them down is the wakia or the lightning, the thunder beings. So I'm thinking, okay, this pipeline is a modern day maniwatu, so. Maybe we should be asking the Wiwila men to help us out. Omakiaya, you know, help us. And then maybe the Wakia will come and they can help us too and expunge what has been created. You know, if we got all these people here praying, then we can pray for that. And uh, I was taught that all good things come through prayer, miracles. You know, Christians, they say God, but us guys, we, you know, we believe in Tunkashila Wakantanka, the higher power, you know. The energy that we create off of our spirits because we're merely just physical beings walking this earth but our spirits gonna keep on walking and in order for it to keep walking we have to live a good life and so I'm here right now to just offer my brains and you know um, to get dirty because this is this is where the real fight is and we no longer have weapons of mass destruction, you know, and we never did. We had our arrows, you know, we had our wahokis, our lances. We had things that help protect us and at the same time help feed us, you know. So our connection to this land is more than just Dakota Access Pipeline. This land is is what we belong to, you know. And there's a lot of landowners, you know, there's lots of things going on. We've just been going through a buyback program, all these things, you know, about the land that they took from us. And I think that in order for us to truly appreciate our lands, we need to get dirty. We need to go back, you know. My, I grew up in a household that spoke Lakota all day, every day, you know. I grew up in a household that had a big garden, you know. You got to pick your weeds, you know. You got to get everything situated. And 
I grew up in a household that had love. You know, I heard my brother say that, you know, your parents are your main structure. And if they can love you, then you're going to live a good life. And I really believe in that because I, I am my mother's daughter. And she's, she's also American Indian Movement activist and also Indigenous Environmental Network activist. So I was raised at Indigenous gatherings all over, <clears throat> not only our own Unchimaca, which they call the USA, but in Canada too, and we've been down to Mexico. So I've always been around other people who have been oppressed by the US government. You know, just when I think I got it bad, I go and I go to California and I meet the Pitt River Indians who have uranium being drilled and they're all looking disfigured because of the their diet, which is fish and the mercury is getting into it. So, you know, being 13 years old and meeting people like that, you know, it's like, wow you know so by the time I you know I I was when I was young I was crazy so by the time I did get back into school I already knew what I was good at you know and so I chose a degree that would help um, cultural resource management it entails ethnography archaeology anthropology you know basically the study of culture and I'm in my US history my social studies you know I always read oh yeah you know the squaw came out or you know they were savages you know and i'm thinking see my mounty you know she's a kind woman you know she's she taught me my language you know she taught me how to dig timsila she taught me how to you know shake a bush down to get the berries off you know but one thing in particular that my unchi that i give her the most credit for is every time she said you know go out and play because she didn't want us in our house you know she said, I said, like, well, I'm going to get thirsty. She said, well, you just get off of, you know, because we swim in a river. We swim in the um, the little white. She said, well, just get out and start digging on that sandbar, my girl. That water that comes up, just drink it. That's that's the best water you'll ever find. So, like, little things like that, that's my grandmother instilled in me. And I had to go to school for four years to get a white man's education for things I already knew before I was 16 years old, you know. So education is very important because that's all that we have left you know our ancestors they signed treaties giving up our lands because they were coerced into doing it they didn't want to do that you know and like even our lands that they had to sell after reservation times you know those were done during a state of duress you know your family's starving a rancher comes and says yeah i'll give you a cow if you give me your 60 acres you're so hungry, you're gonna give them those 60 acres. But one thing that our cultural resource people aren't telling our people is that if you can prove it was in a state of duress, you can get your land back, you know? So we have all these issues that we could tackle and these are rights that we have gained from their own laws, you know? So that's my main concern is that we're here, not only as Sichangu, not only as Hawaii, not only as Meroi, you know, we're all here as one, you know? We're all indigenous. When my uncle was in Vietnam, <clears throat> he had a camp of Vietnamese at bay. They all had their hands on their head. He made eye contact with the older gentleman. The gentleman looked at his arm. We're the same. So my uncle thought, you know, geez, I'm just like, I'm just like the cavalry, you know? And he, had, he didn't know what to do, but see the government, they, they've looked at us since they've got here, you know, since they established themselves. And the government knew that my uncles were warriors before they enlisted in that United States Army. My uncles could hunt, my uncles could track, my uncles could trap everything. 
So they made my uncle snipers. They made them combat trackers, green berets. They gave them jobs that the white boys ain't gonna do. You know what I mean? And so my uncle has a lot of kills. So he come home from the war with a kind of, you know, different. Yeah. He left that 17 year old, came home, someone else. So we all deal with oppression from our government in different ways. But there's some of us who use that oppression and take it into good ways, you know? Yeah. I don't have to be that lazy bum Indian because I'm a beautiful Lakota Wian who has an education and a language that they can never take away from me. Um, my name is Red Boy, friend of the deer. I'm from the Soldier Creek community on the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, Sichangu Reservation. Um, my English name is Wesley Running Jr. And why are you here at Standing Rock? What does this what does this mean to you to be here? Um, this means so much to me being here. Um, I have a, I have a son, you know, and so having that boy made me realize my life isn't my own anymore. And um, water is life, and he deserves to have a future. And so I wanted to be here to help contribute any way I can. And, uh, I want to contribute because I've been educated in tribal law and government and uh, language preservation and linguistics, and I'm well-versed in a lot of our treaties and our, our water rights, you know, and I wanted to help be, help be here and contribute that and ensuring that we have clean drinking water for not only not only our people, but for all people, for all animals. We're not the only one who use water. Everyone uses water. The earth, you know, our, our animals, we, water is life, and that's why I want to be here to help protect that and ensure that it's here for a long time. And what ways have you been able to share your knowledge so far since you've been here? Uh, since we've come here, we've made uh, some very great networking with friends from all over the world, and we brought in our, our Maori friend, relative from New Zealand, and we uh, offered and sat down with the chairman of Standing Rock, and we told him we're here, and we told him our educational backgrounds and how we're willing to help, and he was excited. And he seemed relieved to have people coming here with more direction and how they want to help because... We're having a lot of people come here and they, the intentions are good, but they have no real clear plan on how they're going to help. They're saying, I want to help. I want to help. How do you want to help? You know, how are you planning to contribute? You know, we, we have a lot of people coming here ready to to um, stand with their fist in the air, you know, but what other plans and actions are we taking to pursue to help combat the situation? And so um, speaking with uh, Dave Archambault, he seemed relieved and that we're here to sit down with intelligent ideas to help conversate and so he offered to have us sit down with his lawyers and we're going to discuss and share these ideas that we bring. And what do you hope in in the most greatest outcome and realistic outcome of this experience? What do you hope that is? I think the, the most realistic outcome I hope to we gain from this that we will gain from this is um, a broader more general awareness for uh, indigenous people's rights and how we're still being oppressed in 21st century America you know um, a lot of it's deeply ingrained 
and uh, it's self-internalized now. It's been perfected by our own people being oppressed. And uh, I think the greatest outcome that can come from this is overcoming that, not only just this tribe, but people all over the world, you know, um, because the oppression, depression, repression that's been put on indigenous people, specifically the people here, has been uh, systematical from the United States since the killing of George Custer. And uh, this, so this goes way back, essentially, uh, the United States acting as sore losers, you know, during the Battle of Greasy Grass have come to take these uh, these ways of cutting us down, beginning with the 1877 Black Hills Act that um, annexed 100 million acres of our sacred Black Hills, you know, and this has just kind of been a snowballing effect, and uh, the people are rising up, and I think coming together in a good way, um, all these good minds coming together, something beautiful is going to come from it, and it's going to gonna bring us back to where we need to be you know we're a strong people you know we have to learn um, we have to learn their education so that we can combat it uh, our ancestors knew we weren't gonna win in a shootout anymore you know they saw that long time ago with the senseless killing and loss of life we're not gonna win with a shootout anymore and that's why they encouraged us to go off and learn their ways but to never forget who we are you know if we're gonna be Lakota if we're gonna be going to be lawyers we need to be Lakota lawyers first Lakota first the emphasis on that and I think um, the most beautiful thing that can come from that is people gaining their sense of identity about who they are as indigenous indigenous caretakers of the land and protecting for our future generations and I hope that's the most relevant thing that'll come from this Tēnā koutou katoa ko Kingi Snauga Taku Ingoa e huri o hau no Ngāpuhi a te whakatohia Ngaitahu ko tāi mai nei i runga i te karanga o tēnei kaupapa My name is Kingi, I come from Ngāpuhi as my tribe from Aotearoa, New Zealand And what was your reasoning for coming to Standing Rock and what has your experience been like? Really I guess the the main reason was to answer the call from the people and the, the awa or the river um, to support this movement and to support my brothers and sisters here. Um, I've been working in Pine Ridge so really it wasn't far for me to come um, and there are so many people back home that uh, Māori back home that would want to be here so I thought I've got to be there and be here Atinana, be here in person to support the movement and bring with me um, those good thoughts and those uh, the spirit of our ancestors back home who have been fighting the same fight, um, fighting against the same um, colonizers, the same corporations, um, and so yeah, it's a real honor to be here and to to connect with the people because yeah, we are all the same. Um, we come from different parts of the world, but we have the same worldview, and so I think that's for me the most important thing is to to share and um, help re, uh, realign our, our world into a way that that recognizes that the indigenous way of thinking is the, is the way of thinking mm. um, and to find those uh, Pākehā people that have lost that kind of um, their identity and that way of thinking to really jolt them back into reality that the way that they've been living, um, that the corporate way, the money way is not sustainable. Um, so yeah, I'm here to support that. Yeah. Mm. 
And has there been an experience that you've had while you've been up here that you would like to share that was really moving to you or inspiring to you or that you felt like um, kind of thrust thrust this movement further forward into like um, an urgency that the world could feel? Yeah, I think for me personally, every kind of moment since I've since I came here yesterday has been uh, moving and spiritual, and there have been several tohuwa signs that I was supposed to be here that um, I met my sister Dera um, and we connected and then we came here together um, and that there have been other Māori that have come to Standing Rock and Shed. We had um, one of our rangatira, Timoti Karetu, who's the man um, who was here um, and then to just be thrown into it this morning shortly after uh, I went down to the camp to be an uh, official legal observer for the, the march this morning. Um, to be there as a kaitiaki, as a, as a caretaker of the people um, in a legal capacity was was a real honour. So, yeah, there's, it's everything for me on a personal level. Um, but I think that this moment in particular is, for me, is about bringing together people from around the world um, and kind of that movement, that indigenous movement across the globe to really kind of form a strong um, toki or strong ads that we can kind of cut down um, uh, this kind of Pākehā mentality, this white mentality around resources, around oil uh, and money. Um, so yeah, it's just I think there's like been so many different moments for me. And but just to be here, I think as a, as a Māori person, when there are um, you know we share so many of the struggles, is kind of overwhelming in one sense because you know I, I I'm kind of try to stay humble because there are so many amazing people back home and I'm just really lucky to be here to, to kind of fly our tino rangatiratanga flag, our, our um, flag of self-determination and to um, be here to support in person. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to add to, if you could say one thing to the world and this was your platform, you're sharing this space with all of these native folks from all over the world if you could say one thing, like it could be a quote, it could be something from from your heritage that you could share, something enlightening. This is your soapbox moment. <laughs> <laughs> Man, pressure. Uh, I guess there's a whakatoki in our culture which says, He And that means that I am a seed that descends from basically the heavens or the creations. And as indigenous peoples, we're all so special in the in the sense that we have this inherent connection with the land. We're part of the land. We have um, obligations as caretakers to the land, and that worldview, that way of thinking, we really need to share with the world and make that the normal way of thinking. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of support each and every single indigenous person out there to say that you're a special, you're a valuable, what you have. And your way of thinking is so important to the future yeah. of our of our world, because I think if people don't get onto it, um, there's going to be no world left. People don't start thinking about the world in an indigenous way, a Maori, Hawaiian, um, ngā tangata whenua from here. Then there's nothing. There's going to be nothing left. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say.
aloha mai kaua, between you and I is kaua, as opposed to all the people would be kako. But my name is um, Dina Jean Lokelani Oana Hurwitz, and I was born in Reno, Nevada. My uh, mother is uh, Margaret Kailua Rego Oana, and she was born in Kapahulu, Honolulu, Oahu. And my father um, was George Nelson Ku'u Aloha O'ana, and he was born and raised in Waipahu O'ahu also. And um, just being raised um, in a military background, in an Air Force background, um, I have siblings. There was 11 of us, and eight lived throughout life. And um, we were born all over the world, my older siblings. I'm the seventh child, seventh generation um, of a eight and um, I have siblings born in Hawaii, in uh, Brooklyn, New York, in Paris, France, and then I was born in Reno, Nevada, and my baby sister in uh, Madrid, Spain. So when I first came to Hawaii, um, I was brought up dancing the hula from two years old in, in uh, Reno and then Spain, and we danced at the hospitals there in the military base. And then uh, coming to Hawaii, I couldn't wait to really meet a real Hawaiian. And my mom used to always rub my cheeks and smile and walk away when I'd say that. And today I know what she was saying, you know, about um, it's it's who you are. And so making that connection is cool. Yeah, yeah. Find yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so now, and then uh, I moved to the Big Island from Oahu um, when I was 18, and I've been there um, 54 now, and I've been living there. I have three children. Um, my Kahiapo, um, my oldest um, um, past, his name was Michael, Keliho um, Ho'omana, and um, Herwitz, and a baby, and then my um, my daughter, Leiloha, Sandra Rose Leoloha Mai Kalani Mai, she's 33, lives in Seattle and working and she left Hawaii um, on her own still uh, to just see the world and try to get away from Hawaii to explore and meet new people and you know she will be back home so and then my other daughter is um, living, was living in Los Angeles and moved home, she's 28, her name's Kailua, my youngest son. Um, or excuse me, her name is Angela Rose Kailua Herwitz. And my youngest boy, eight years later, is uh, Nathan Kamalani Kael Noeaui Kua Loha And he um, really carries my family name with my father's name, and it's very appropriate to have um, a part of your father's name in the lineage, even though the woman is very um, significant for the bloodline. And he's 21, and um, I married a um, at 18 years old. I married um, a Jewish man um, from Los Angeles, West LA, Beverly Hills, and very good man. But I lived a, a double life, <clears throat> and although being raised in the Air Force and then coming back home, I'm a Hawaiian cultural practitioner and a kumuhula, and uh, and that's um, with our troops of hula dancing. I danced my whole life, and so when I came home, my mother put me in different groups until I joined one at 18 and have been with that since and then I unikied um, <clears throat> through uh, Lealoha Amina, Lim and Nani Lim from Kohala. So a lot of our stories are going to cover the Big Island and um, the Kohala Waimea district. When we brought um, today, you know, up here to um, North Dakota, we, we just in support and standing, I have t-shirts that I had brought, um, says 
God's country. And that was because the elders knew that the town that I live on, on the slopes of our sacred mountain, um, it was it was the saying if they heard that you lived in Waimea, where the elevation is about 25, 2800 feet, the weather is cool, and things are, are, are um, Parker Ranch cowboy kind of um, lifestyle there, not kind of, but for sure lifestyle there that um, it's known to be God's country. And then Waimea, um, Wai is the, is the water, it means water, Mea like the red water, the rolling red water, but Mea doesn't mean red, um, Mea in itself would mean um, a thing or a matter. So in that, you know, water is significant and important to us and that's why I thought with the t-shirt saying, talking about water, land, <clears throat> that was good. And then even the word Hawaii, its meaning is um, many different meanings some will interpret, but um, not like the word Aloha, which has many different meanings. But Hawaii is um, Ha, is the breath of life and what we all breathe. Vai is water, pure water. And the other I in the word Hawaii comes from um, the name of the one great spirit, uh, Akua God, Manaloa, and his name was E. And it's also the highest pitch that a human being can make in their body when they're making sounds out of their mouth. It's the highest. So for us, it's like the pinnacle of the plumb line that leads us right to heaven. And um, through all the picos, we have three picos, and um, controlled by that, um, by that plumb line. <sighs> yep. <clears throat> um, I wrote this down today because I had met with um, someone up there that asked me to speak to him and do a little blessing or prayer over him. And it's not that I was ever ordained to do that, but in our culture, when when you get asked more than one time, you know, gently, if you could pray for us or even do a funeral service, of course, I would look and say, oh, no, I, I don't do that. But at a certain point, when all they're asking for is a pule, and, and these people um, not necessarily are Hawaiian, because Hawaiians know what to do when we reach out to our other families and we do it in a protocol way. But the spirit of a Hawaiian is not going to turn down a heartfelt request. You know, absolutely not. They'll give their best and do that. So I was um, on the other side of the river today, and um, there were a couple things that I, I was looking at myself. Um, I met one of the native girls from um, Rosebud, and she told me that um, one of the things she holds on to her heart, although it was from, she believed it was either the Cheyenne or the, she believed it was the Cheyenne proverb, a Cheyenne proverb. Um, and it says, um, no matter how strong its warriors and weapons they may have, a nation is not conquered until the hearts of the women are on the ground. Then, then it is done. And for women, for women of this world, um, Aboriginal women that are standing and recognizing who they were born into, which is of this earth and sky, as an Aboriginal woman, I will never, ever lay down my heart on the ground, ever. And so um, that's exciting in our being, and, and, and that kind of energy of a woman, when she's committed to be that backbone, a man will never stop. You know, they say that um, we often are that foundation or the backbone of a man. And when we bond together, which women do easily in love, in aloha, then, um, then the strength's all there. So um, even on that side, I had a gentleman come up to me and ask me who I was and where I was from in Hawaii. And he said, well, I want you to know that I do not support this and I do not support um, 
uh, I do support the pipeline. And I was shocked because I was, he was surrounded by other people that are natives here. And one of the other native ladies stepped back and she said, let her talk to him. And I, I, I questioned him first. I then continued on with him with compassion, asking questions and saying why. And he said, I want to ask you from Hawaii, how did you get here? And I said, by plane, I had two options, plane or boat. And he said, okay, well, it took oil. It took oil to get you here. So you need to realize that we all need oil. And I said, you know, I understand that. I understand what you're saying, but you're missing the most important point. No one here is saying that oil is bad and we don't want oil. Do what we don't have control of that. We're not that um, uneducated to know how powerful the world is with this money and this oil. But why? Why did you allow another town to um, object it and then to move it and then to come and without thought, um, without communication, just take it and put it by another native tribe's land that you gave them? You know, it's heartbreaking. And so that's where. Um, in a sly way, I think it's kind of like a blessing because the people are going to rise up. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that calling. And um, I'm willing to go the distance. So um, then the other thing that I brought to the tent here in the kitchen. That you know, rocked sorry. me. Sorry, I'm like. Oh. I don't even know what I just said. I really it don't know. Fucking, oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it was really powerful. Yeah, and I feel that, you know. I, lots of times when I'm talking to people, um, when he said that, that's what I said to the women, uh, the ladies oh. after, because they said, you know, they they said I did a good job. And again, it's like I, I was so, they said, but they were laughing really hard because he said, you should have seen the look on your face <laughs> when he said that to you. <laughs> but um, so I ended it with him um, asking him his name, and he told me a funny name. I, and uh, we chuckled and I said, no, but really, sir, real, I said, really, brother, what is your real name? And he told me I, that the last name was Eagle Staff. That's what I heard. And um, and I looked him in his glasses because he kept them on, but I held his hand strong. And I said, and I meant it sincerely, um, I'm going to go on bended knee and I'm going to pray for you. And he laughed. He said, oh, really? You're going to pray for me? And I said, absolutely. For the elements, for everything that you love and everything good that you are, that it would connect with you so that something can change in you that you would be able to see what I'm seeing. I said, because you see these two little girls right here? They're playing on the grass right, right, right between us. I said, their burdens lie on us. These little girls deserve to have a right to have a good, healthy, happy life. And they will be burdened, guarantee, if they have to worry about how to go buy a bottle, a little eight ounce bottle of water for seven to $10 a bottle. That will bring so much burden on the people. We need water. And why we would go through this. He said, it's not going to break. Where do you have what you say the pipe will break, but the pipe won't break. How do you know it will break? This will be the first pipe that won't break. And I, and I, and I was just, I don't know if he was playing with me, but I said, you know what? In all of our history of life, this is what's so um, disturbing. All pipes break. All pipes crack in the in, in, on this planet. They all do. So what are we waiting for? This one will crack. And um, and that's again, the good side of that is that is going to cause every woman, every Aboriginal woman, every other woman that comes from walk that will bond, and not just the Aboriginal women, to stand to stand for this. So um, I think we're ready to for this victory. 
um, because there's power in numbers. And then when the ladies and I were talking at the end, I said to them, when he asked my name, I shared Lokelani, which was means heavenly rose. But there's so much more than that. There's so much more than that. Um, um, there are thorns. There are real examples that a rose shows about life and what you have to expect. Um, but I am going to go on bended knee. Um, it's like a spiritual warfare, and God taught us that. And so he, when we shook hands and I looked at him, I was being fair and honest, telling him, I now am joining spiritual warfare with whatever spirit there is in you that you're thinking this, and um, I have no fear. I have no fear. And he's a very sh big Indian man, but, um, but my God is stronger. My God is stronger because my God comes in love. And the true meaning of aloha, which is love, is hello, goodbye, I love you, forgive me, I'm sorry. Um, let's all be humble. Um, let's stand and stand strong and, 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 and stand for what we believe in. Um, those are just the beginning, um, the iceberg, the tip of, of what aloha means. There's so much depth. It, it, it basically means I would lie down and give my life for you. To alo is to be face to face. If I were to turn my body and go this way, now I'm not face to face to you, even though you can hear me. But if once I turn, now we're sharing the same um, uh, visual face to face. And ha is the breath of life. So there's no misunderstanding. The breath is straight on forward and not turned to the side and where you say one thing and, and um, are not true to it and, and, and mean it um, in the right highest intent. And that really is, I think, for the Hawaiian people, when you get to the um, the love of God, the love of Keakua Nui Yesupu, is um, is is highest intent. You know, um, I shared this in the kitchen about hula because I'm a hula teacher and I have you know I have students and um, that I that I teach the culture to why we dance and um, when I shared with the native um, ladies there I know we all to have this in us and why we dance to dance Ahula. to dance is to pray and that's to pray is to heal to heal is to give and when you're giving you are living so to give is to live and when you're living you're dancing and it's the full circle it's the dance of life and um, and I asked um, I shared that with a lady, and then one of the native girls, that the one question that's been going around with me since I've been here was I wanted to ask um, um, Native Americans, what do you like to be called? And I loved the answer. She said, because of where she's from, and I'm sure all these tribes have their word, but she said, Natistas. And I said, Natistas, if I'm pronouncing it right, and, you know, forgiveness, if or truly, if not. But she said, it means people, human being. I mean, that does it for me. That's it. Each of us created in our, in our own magic of gift and life. Every breath counts. Um, I was raised in the, um, you know, since my life and meeting my husband, being 18, um, you know, I, I've attended different things and parties and so forth where Stevie Wonder was the guest um, entertaining us and I've been to the biggest of big and the fanciest of fancy. I often think of our President Barack Obama 
and I hold him dear in my heart because he lived in Hawaii. So I've held him accountable to the spirit of Aloha. And in the beginning of time when he was first went into office and his family and his children, he I don't think he realizes how many Hawaiian people were covering his children in Pule and all of that, attending Punahou. He, and he knows what I'm talking about. But that you cannot mess around with that because it, it becomes out of our hands as the living children and it goes into our ancestors just like the Native Americans. It comes out of us and it goes into the living unseen spirits that walk everywhere. This whole earth radiates spirit and spirit will have its way. The highest intent will have its way. The light will always conquer out the dark. The ones that turn their head just to be blind. Um, forever grateful for the newscaster that shared what he did on MSNBC. Forever. He has brought tears. It's like an awakening. It's an awakening because finally somebody who has money, who has position in the United States of America, someone who has clout. I personally, like I said, there's people out that I want to start calling them by name. They have Indian blood and Hawaiian blood and they're abundant in their education and therefore the finances and everything that has come their way that they they speak and and this country moves those are the ones they still have beautiful hearts they still take their family to Hawaii they still play with the kids on the beach they still jump in the little boats to go look at the dolphins they still like to eat sashimi they like to have luau's and lau lau and kalua pig and sit with the Hawaiians and listen to Hawaiian music they want to be forgiving and act loving this is the time for the people to stand up and rise up wake up all wealthy, uh, not the haves and have-nots, and um, that's where my heart is. So I still continue to pray on this, and I'm, I'm stunned because I'm human and I'm a flesh, and so I'm allowed that. I'm stunned at our president. I'm stunned. He has so much position right now. And, and, and Auntie Pilahi Paki was a kupuna of old, and since then she's passed. She was the one that the, the um, government, United, I mean, the, the Hawaii government there called her and asked her, the state of Hawaii, to please be the one to share with us what it is, the spirit of who are the Hawaiian people, what is the core of them. And she brought out the Aloha spirit. But she also prophesied, and this is about 30 years ago, and she said, there will come a day in Hawaii, we'll see, because that's what Hawaii also means, that the world will have their eyes on Hawaii. And when that was prophecy, and when that came, Barack Obama was being looked at as president, the first popolo, the first you know, African-American hapa to come and, 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 and stand. So all the eyes of the world were looking at Hawaii. So that was the first. And now, because um, things that I don't know, that the Great Spirit knows, and that our kupuna and our people know, we're in this situation. And again, and again, we're all joining together, but Hawaii will stand. And um, I could be going in circles right now. You <laughs> it's know. radical. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about why what made you come here yeah yeah um you know it's it's kind of finishing what i think i just thought of what, what i'm saying we're talking about the aloha spirit i came here because of the aloha spirit because with auntie pilai paki and my hula halau which i was um, uniki graduated in under the Lim family from kohala it is our foundation it's the spirit of aloha which is why i had nothing 
evil, rotten, or retaliation to say back to that man, but to go on bended knee. That kind of powerful love and highest intent will conquer, conquer anything. And so I came in Aloha, and I again, it's my quest for life, you know, to share that. And um, Aloha is Akahai in Hawaii. You that has home in Hawaii, that has laid pillow, laid head pillow in Hawaii. Be meek, stand, be meek, modest, and unassuming. Lokahi, the L in A-L-O-H-A, is lokahi akulike, to stand in unity at any given time, and that would mean to put down immediately differences of opinion and then stand in love, in unity. The second, the olu olu, the third letter, um, olu olu kamanao, is to always um, control the positive thinking in your brain. That as soon as we start to think those thoughts that would be um, defensive and um, protective and fearful and worrisome, you you put in the pleasant in the time of right now and being right here. There's so many blessings right before us. I'm breathing, talking, I'm alive. And then the OH is um, to be humble and unassuming, the more talented and gifted you are. Um, I also know that in the Bible it says, the two things for a human being, the most two important things for any human human being to be on this planet is humble and forgiving. Those are the two key words. So ha And then the last, um, as we strive for all these, what might seem to be impossible and um, nice things to say but hard to do, well, all you need is ahonuya lanakila which is truly patience within yourself, to learn and practice patience within yourself, and then it comes out to others in the community. And with that, there will never come a day as I live my entire life to live aloha. <clears throat> There'll never come a day when I ever say to anyone, I've got it, that I have aloha, but I'll die striving for it, because that's our people. You know, that's the highest intent here, and that's what's happening here, here on Solid Rock. I will aloha water for all the days of my life, and I will teach my children, my nieces, my nephews, my family, I have adult children, love, love the water, love the land. Um, so that's why I came. We were, we were on the lava field, watching the lava go into the ocean, watching the meteor shower there at Sam, you know, Sam's house down in Kalapana. And then someone picked up, spirit was working, saw us all together. Someone picked up the phone and saw this protest, saw us, um, one of the ladies speaking out. And we knew that one of our girls from the mountain, Malia, got arrested. That awakened us. And just that night, we watched that and we decided we knew. We just, you know, how are we going to get the money? How can we do this? We have to work. We can't go. That's flesh. But when you have highest intent, then our kupunas work in the spiritual realm. God works and it opens up. It opens up, and um, and so we came to stand and, and support and bring our love, and that was something, too. When you come into another culture, you don't come barging in saying, this is how you have to be. You come and you You look to the source, and you um, be humble and unassuming and watch and observe, and then the spirit starts to ho'olu and rise up and awaken all the people um, that are truly his people of this earth, the caretakers of the earth. And um, and then the people here, the natives, they connect, friends connect, and you find all the ties. We're all one. We're all one. And um, and that's what's happening. We're all being connected, you know, God, 
um, um, you know, personally, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I was raised Catholic. I was raised um, cultural, lihula, and, and understanding the culture. But there's also things in the Hawaiian culture, you know, that change when we do human sacrifices. We have many gods. That came at a period of the 12th century. Paul brought that from Tahiti. And so we've adapted many different cultures. But prior to that, again, it's back to Hawaii. There's no such thing when you meet the pure Hawaiians on Ni'ihau and you say, look at my Hawaiian shirt or my Hawaiian cup or my Hawaiian hat. A Hawaiian has never become a, become a cup or a hat or a pencil or a shirt. I'm a human Hawaiian. Vale. And there's cups with flowers on it and pictures with pine tree, you know, pineapple, I mean, pineapples and coconut trees and ladies in grass skirts. But it's so much more. And we didn't wear grass skirts in our, when we danced. We wore kapa, we wore fabric, we wore material. So it's just interesting, the misunderstandings and the things, how cha you know, things change. But as we continue to keep that lineage alive in our genealogy, um, all things prevail. And then, and then the biggest thing is we listen to our na'au, our gut, our gut feeling. And that will always speak to us. And sometimes it may not make sense like it was. Pack your things, get, get tickets, and you guys need to get to North Dakota. I was on my own personal journey praying for myself. I thought I was going to Cambodia or India. But no, I prayed to God and I said, I want to go where he, where, where she, where, where he wants me to be. And I'm here. Mm. So all in aloha. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and, and you see the connecting, so many connecting pieces that confirm it. Mm. With that, we just stand strong and be happy that we're all human. Like my friend said, we're all human.
Cause we cannot drink the water Seven generations are the sons and daughters